Did you um figure out that post, man? Yeah, still working it. You know, cool, cool. Social media's not my game. Take your time, man. I won't talk until you're ready. Now we worked it. Published. Done. Perfect. Did you use an emoji? Did you write a caption? No. Just, just say quick reach Smack talk right now. Cool. Don't know what about. Neither do I. Yeah, that's the beauty. <laughs> that's the absolute beauty of it, man. That's why I'm so excited. Um, cool. Well, I believe we're live now. We are in the Mustard Flat space. This is the official episode one of Mustard Flats, and I'm joined by Citizen K. Hey. How are you I'm doing, brother? I'm joined by Kirkland. We're joined together. <laughs> it's a vibe. How are you feeling, man? I'm feeling fantastic, man. I feel real good. How are you feeling? I'm feeling really good, man. It's been a good day. Good week. Yeah. Um, great to be back in this space. I'm loving what Nick has created here. Yeah. How are you feeling, Nick? Welcome, guys. Thank you for being here. Thank you, first, bro. Uh, first ep. This is it. It's this only it's fitting at. it's you two lads from the old <laughs> well, we video thought that, days. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Nick, what was your um your intention with the platform, man? What were you trying to create with Mustard Flats? Well, we're still kind of freestyling at the moment. We'll just see what happens. Absolutely. Like, um, yeah, it's been a process of just building up the little studio and then build it and they will come kind of thing. Like, let's <laughs> yeah. try and get people in here and see what happens. Yeah. What's well, a fire space, man? We did our we launched our Love Divide sessions here yeah. a couple of weeks back, which yeah. went really well. Yeah. Really cool experience. Being able to like, I don't know, get pre-prepared content together, but be live at the same time. I really enjoyed that because we were able to make the music really dope, the aesthetic really nice, but then be live at the same time without everything being so like rushed and immediate. Yeah. Um, which we liked. Yeah, I remember when because you obviously you told me you're gonna do it, and I was like, man, how are they gonna do this? Because I knew it was pre-recorded, so I yeah. was like, they're gonna pull the whole like pretending it's actually live when it's not I was like Ooh, but it's technically live yeah that was dope yeah that was super dope yeah um, yeah I jumped on and I was just like this is actually such a sick way to present it yeah well that's and, what I'm thinking yeah. yeah for the virtual tour moving forward I think that's what we're going to try and do as well but just make that aesthetic a little bit fly so the, the virtual tour oh yeah have just, you talked about this before um probably not on air actually I keep forgetting that we're <laughs> we're on a platform right now we're not just chatting um that's something that's coming up for sure for the love divide so I'm keen for that are you revealing any more about it or are you just... Ask away, man. What do you want to know? Oh, what what is it? Virtual tour. So, well, yeah, going from the start, obviously when COVID hit, um, I was like, okay, we're not going to be touring for a while. What can we do um, online that's not like a regular, you know, low-key like live stream? Like what can we do that's going to be to the quality that we'd usually deliver live in a venue? Yeah. But how can we do it in a way that like really utilizes the, oh, I guess the online delivery in a really cool, unique way, because obviously we can't interact with people. We can't perform to them. We can't plan things the way we usually would. How can we make it like a cool virtual experience? So that's what the sessions were kind of the start of was like me coming together. First of all, shout out to the entire band. They're incredible people, man. They're so nice and so talented. I saw Victor actually last night at Hippo, which bro, I got lost in that performance, man. (laughs) It was two hours of Victor just doing his thing. And uh, yeah, and, and the whole band coming together, the idea with that was to like, give people a really cool virtual musical experience, mm. um, start off in a studio. And now we're doing this like, this quite bigger scale performance now with a full eight piece band um, with Tom who's joining us from Brass Knuckle and a few other special guests. You're one of them actually. <laughs> 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 um, so that's going to be tight. Um, but yeah, just doing it like, I don't know, a big cinematic way. And, and it's taking place in the story of the love divide. So the, the world that I created with that, the shows actually take place in that narrative. So Duh. bits and pieces are going to be revealed about the story and like what's going on through the sets and people have to like, tune in to figure that out dude that's dope i mean obviously i've got um a bit of an inside inside view to, to some degree you worked on the songs of course yeah, yeah yeah to some degree so it's it's incredible seeing them reproduced in this way as well um especially how much time we spend doing them in studio and how yeah. much time goes into that yeah uh and then to see them in this live setting man it is so crazy yeah but like having it in a way like obviously 
people even learning the words to the songs and singing them back live like that's not even a thing yeah that's removed so it's like yeah what, what's going to be more engaging and really get people excited about it like they would if they were at a usual show mm. um and i think with the band members we have and the way that the music like i don't know even sigh like that's kind of like a trap song but the punk undertones in the live set just come all the way through and it's like i start yelling guitar lines going crazy like it's so punk in the live setting so it's fun kind of like finding our feet and just seeing how these songs feel live um without even performing them to a crowd which yeah. is kind of weird but but exciting and fun yeah how is that process of i guess for the love divide yeah performing without a crowd obviously you still had the energy of the band members which is something that you know we don't i get to do it with james um drumming but yeah. you haven't really done that before never well, well with josh sorry with, with josh you, of course, yeah, yeah well that's what i mean like yeah. we've, we've done it in this small confined space kind of thing with yeah. the two people but having the rest of the band there how was that for you the first time that was phenomenal man yeah that was something else that was like well firstly just so a little bit jarring at first because like i'm used to having the beat and josh on fold back and i just followed that whereas this i was you know wearing ears and i had like five different instruments to be in tune to so i had in one ear i just had josh and my vocal and the other ear were all like the the core rhythm and and instruments which were kind of like the emotive guide for my delivery so yeah. i was kind of keeping in time but following the emotion with so many different instruments and then just like seeing what came and like i said a lot of the energy in the songs just was totally different mm. but feeding off of like the musicality of those guys man like they've, they've played in bands extensively overseas and so many different kinds of genres being around that kind of musicality and that experience that's something that josh and i were both so invigorated by mm. and yeah, it, it just felt like a very musical thing to me. And that was like, it was beautiful. Dude, dope. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I love it. I mean, um, this just came to mind. I don't know why. Hit me, hit me. But how do you actually know Nick? Through you originally. It was through me. It was through you. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think, so the way that I know you originally, just going all the way back, um, and then Nick ultimately was, um, as you know, like my big thing growing up was I just wrote raps. My end game was to rap for Shaq. Yeah. Like that was, that was the vi end of the vision, bro. <laughs> so 10 years, I finally mustered the courage. I go to Shaq and I rap for him. He's like, cool, you're going to meet this guy. Plays me your yes video on YouTube. You had like 50K views at the time. And I was like, no way this guy's in camera. Like that's not, that's not a thing. But then, yeah, I think after we started hanging out, I was like, who does your videos? I met Nick mm. and Nick and I have done so many dope things together since. Yeah, since then. But you were originally the connect to, to everything, man. As far as me starting recording, then videos like, you paved the way, bro. What? How did we meet? That's going to go a while back. That's going to be... I'm pretty sure I hit you up on uh, Unearthed. On Unearthed? Yeah. When were you on Unearthed, uh, bro? Was, was that like... Bro. It was... Or, or some website. And it was before you were known as Citizen K. Yeah. What were you known as? I think I was just going as K. Yeah, just K. Well, when was that transition from K to Citizen K? Uh, Well... Before Citizen K, like this yeah. was the six six years ago, maybe seven years ago, maybe. Okay. Um, just me making music in my bedroom. I was just going under K, mm -hmm. and it wasn't until I got a team on board. So my manager, um, agent, yeah. they came on board and they kind of flagged that when you type in K, there's a lot. You get you get like you get Same a lot of searches coming up. Yeah, yeah you get yeah. a lot coming up. Um, and that was the process of finding how to make it more unique. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is yeah this was the actual i think this was the first thing as citizen k under that mm. name um damn whatever the earrings bro man i've been thinking about that actually um I've, the ears are still fierce yeah yeah just real quick are we doing headphones are we not i just felt more comfortable doing not well, i feel uncomfortable wearing them <laughs> I did like the voice thing. That's cool. And Genesis before he had the beard. 
for all those that didn't know. He's always had a beard, I thought. This is evidence. I'm hanging out to see this now. <laughs> I better do this before we get claimed. <laughs> yeah, actually. <laughs> Kofi will shut it down, actually. But yeah, yeah, yeah this, this Oh, wow. A, this was the first video. Yeah, it was a beautiful face underneath that First video. video we ever did. Yeah. And a little insider note, the... Um, the the cove the Kofi um golf shots are CGI. These ones right here. He, are c- they? he could not hit that fucking ball. Bro wow. what? I don't think he ever told us that. You were there, you saw. Yeah, that he yeah, couldn't hit it, but I didn't know you CGI'd him. Well, I like in terms of CGI, I just I put other balls in there to make it <laughs> <laughs> make it look like he was hitting them. Like, Bro. <laughs> that changes everything. Wow. That changes everything. He's not living that down. Yeah, look at this beardless man wearing his bow tie. Damn, and the yellow beanie. Damn. He's got a kind of like OG Childish Gambino vibe. I get that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's got style, dude. Always had style. Look at this 14 year old kid. <laughs> look at him. Look at him. Oh, uh, yeah. He wasn't so stylish with the. Um with the golf shot. <laughs> do do him you out. have any uh, outtakes for it to play for us tonight, Nick? Anything we can see yeah, about this one? I, I had to dig this one up because <laughs> I felt bad. I felt bad. And you made that the trailer. You really caught him out of that one, bro. God damn. Yeah. Um, Thank you, my thank you, my sweet brother. And that's for, still on your channel. Yeah, it's still out there. <laughs> <laughs> that hurt, and I played it off. I was trying to be cool in front of Nick. I was like, "I'm in so much pain right now." Yeah, but I'm gonna be OG. And what were you in pain from? It, it was I got a golf club he, to the nose. Oh, he, he got that was what that nose. noise you heard. I was, was just watching his swing. No, no, no. That noise you heard was me getting knocked in the face with his golf club. And and the reason was is because I said. Okay, get in there, like you hit the hit the shot. Yeah. And I'm like, but but Kay, get in there, man. Get like get close and just hype him up. <laughs> so I actually directed him into that position. So Nick. I always feel bad about it. <laughs> always feel bad about it. <laughs> yeah. But never saw the swing coming. That, One that, more time. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, please. I didn't even see the hit. I'll I'll pull it up on the full screen. Yeah, yeah I absolutely got blindsided. Shit. Did you bleed at all? Like, how bad? Yeah. So, like, it hit me. I did that whole thing. You reacted. Yep. Reacted, pulled back. Yep. And then when I grabbed my nose, is when it just starts, like, pouring blood. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever paid Kofi back? Is there anything you've done to return the favor? No, but I'm sure, like, I know for a fact that 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 was probably him paying me back for a couple things. Is there anything you want to talk about? Anything (laughs) you you want to own up about? A, pa- a past me that was less considerate yep. uh, may have once locked him out in the backyard and ate his birthday cake. A whole cake? It was the remainder of his birthday cake. Did, and, were uh, you, did you want the cake or did you want really. to spite? Okay. Yeah. It Seems was, like a bro- I don't have any siblings, so I'm glad <laughs> I haven't experienced anything like that, man. It was a real dick move. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Real dick move. Yeah. Do you guys uh, do that shit to each other now? No, Are no. We, we grew well out of that. Cool, cool. Um... No, we've we've been out of that for a, a while now. 
a while there. I cool. think that was that was that was it. the last thing. That was it. That closed the book. After that happened, I was like, "Cool, <laughs> we cool, we're done here." That's Tight. that's all that needs to happen. Tight. That's all that needs to happen. Cool. That's um, man, I can't believe you did that to you. I got nothing else to say about it, man. No man, it's yeah. totally fair. Yeah, absolutely stitch me up. <laughs> I just can't believe I've never seen that before. I didn't know yeah. that was CGI. It's still live. Yeah, it's still it's still live. Yeah, yeah. And the perfect promotional tool. <laughs> <laughs> Huge. So dope, man. Yep. So dope. Yeah. Do you want to? Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna not throw it under the bus, but just because I know we've been having these conversations. Sure. Um, jump me into 2020. Damn. Yeah. Fresh from the start, from the gecko. Yeah. Sure. So 2020. Um, it started with New Year's Eve on the hill. So Josh and I played. It was our third festival last year. We played our first interstate festival there. Had a phenomenal time. I went straight to the studio the next day. Started working on this trilogy, the early ideas. And then in February, I had a really, really interesting month, a really insightful month, actually, because I had three weeks of like constantly uh, intensifying social anxiety. It was real weird. Um, basically, I wasn't, yeah, basically the feeling was I felt like I wasn't in control of my mood, the way I felt around people. And I wasn't sure why that was happening. And it was a really interesting time because when I got out of it, I looked back like within two days and was like, wow, that was totally out of control. Like there was a point, I remember one day when I tried to like walk outside and just calm myself down. I didn't think I was meditating at this point, but I just tried to like calm myself down and like go for a jog or like chill or eat or work out or whatever. Nothing was working and my hands were shaking and I was like, I can't, I can't fix this right now. And I, that was a really scary feeling just to not have that control. So that was February. And then I got to the end of that and I was like trying to figure out where that came from. And I kind of started becoming fascinated with mindfulness and meditation mm. and just understanding i think i think initially through eckhart tolle through the power of now that i started reading um the power of understanding that your thoughts aren't you yeah that the thinker is like a constant thing that is constantly going and it's really up to you to choose to identify with thoughts that you have and i wasn't aware of this before this happened um and that's something that i really needed to realize and understand and then i think i just had this proclivity to start becoming more present and more aware and that's where mindfulness started for me. Then I started becoming more creative and channeling really creatively like I've been doing with the Love Divide and just getting to this really amazing point in self and my relationships and my, I guess, my connectivity to being and who I am um, off the back of like a potentially very um, scary experience. Yeah. And that's kind of what's brought me to this point of just being like very much connected uh, with my relationships, my craft, with my growth and just very excited for everything at the moment. But it came from that time. Mm. And yeah, I know meditation is something we share, man. How is that? How did you get into that for starters? How did that come about for you? Um, out of just not, nothing nothing triggered it really. It was more out of people around me, uh, mainly. So James Ashley, who drums for the Citizen K Project, he's super into yoga, into meditation, has been since I've known him. Um, we're like on tour in the airport and this guy's doing like yoga poses in the middle of the airport. In the airport. Yeah, like Respect. real no shame. And he can um, just block out people and, and yeah, get yep. into that? It, wow. It's like no one's even there. Respect. Just like finds a spot in the middle of the airport and yeah. we'll just start doing yoga. Um, so I guess like hanging out with James and, and touring yeah. a lot, I was yeah. around and I was kind of like in the back. It, I'll, I'll be honest, at first I was kind of like, oh man, he's doing his yoga in the middle of the airport again. Yeah, um, it can be imposing. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, now I feel different about it because sure. it's just, there's a confidence thing about it of just doing what you need to do. Um, I completely agree. Yeah. So watching James do his yoga before shows, before we played, he he would, you know, meditate. 
I'm like listening to Rage Against the Machine before you go on, just hyping like jamming out, hyping out. And you look to my right and there's James like full meditation mode. Like, yep, yep. yeah, full, full like the hands, um, prayer hands going. Yep. So it was just like these two, two sites that were just the exact opposite. Um, but eventually, I guess, through conversation and hanging out with, with James so much, mm. I just became intrigued. I was like, man, what's, why is this guy so into it? Yeah. Um, I tried that yoga. <laughs> yeah. I've dabbled recently as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mindfulness is for me. <laughs> yeah. Only because I, I think <laughs> yoga is hard. Yes. <laughs> yoga is so. <laughs> you can get you can get good at silencing yourself quickly and being still. Yeah. So you're twisting <laughs> around like I don't see you doing that at all. To be real, bro. <laughs> no. I'm sure you're capable of it, but I just don't see it. No, jelly. No. So I think I have a tendency to go into things a bit cocky. Uh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have the tendency to but that I don't think it's cockiness I think it's like I think it's confidence for starters and I think that confidence drives you to see whatever the thing is through which you always do yeah Col cold showers yeah yeah for sure for sure but there's cockiness right there is a sense of I genuinely believe that I can do anything and I think I've had that for a while where does that come from no idea maybe just how we, we yeah maybe just how we grew up um, Kofi and I really never had yeah, I don't think we ever had any instances where we were told we couldn't do anything. Especially being um, two kids who are in the creative industries as well. Our mm. parents were extremely supportive of that. Um, yeah, it, it's just kind of always been there. I, mm. just, I just really honestly believe that I can do whatever I want to do. Um, yeah. We can do whatever we want to do. Do you think that would be different if you were told you couldn't do certain things early on? Not just by your parents, but like in general? Uh, weirdly, that drives it more. Me too. Because I know I can. So when yeah. people say you can't, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on. And I think there is that constant force of energy out there of like, you know, that that's a thing of people don't think certain things are possible. Yeah. It doesn't have to be directed at you, but you can let that drive you if it's not so like firsthand and people being like, you actually can't do that. Yeah. So either way it's out there and it's I definitely let it fuel me for sure. I've asked you before, but I want to ask Nick. Yeah. Do you, do you think you love to win or hate to lose? Um... I, I'm not a big winning guy. I don't mind. I'm pretty happy to cruise in the middle. <laughs> like, it's it, that's not my. Never gotten that answer before. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's yeah. not my driving force. Yeah, yeah. Trying to win, uh, be successful, maybe, but yeah, I'm not a competitive person. Yeah, nah. But if you had to say one motivates you more. The idea of having your back against the wall does that motivate you? Or if you're in a winning, like if you're in a winning streak, do you want to win more? Or if, or if like shit's hitting the fan, does that make you want to win more? Yeah. Um. um oh, fuck, I don't know. It's <laughs> a hard a, question, man. That's a good man. question. Yeah. A good question. Um, Think about it, because yeah. I, I answered one way the second you asked it, and then yeah. thought about. It. So I said I love to win so did I immediately, and then I thought about it and was like, I thought of gambling actually. Yeah, I right. thought of the one time that I yeah. went gambling yeah, and yeah, I actually lost, I and I was like, "No, fuck that!" Like, <laughs> and I think losing in general. Yeah, I can, I can take an L. Fuck it. Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> no, mind. no, we we all can by this point for sure. <laughs> but I don't like to. I don't, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd like yeah. not. Yeah, there's a weird thing in like taking an L, or or I guess the concept of like failure. That's definitely my perception has shifted on it. I kind of, mm. all, I kind of see it now as like, cool. That's leading to something else now. Yeah. Um. So that perception shift is huge in terms of taking an L, but yeah. I was definitely 
answered the same way. I'm like, Needed yeah, I love to win. To win. All yeah. The time. Yeah, yeah, I love to win. Like if I'm on a winning streak, I want to keep winning. Mm. Um, but I guess that the there is a competitive nature in me. Yeah. Mm. yeah. What, what I I will blatantly say is, is cockiness with some things. Yeah. Or just like yeah. If I look at something and I think I can do it and I say I can do it, mm. I kind of expect my body to just do it. Uh, coming circling back to yoga was like literally yeah. watching James do it. And I was like, yoga, come on, come on. So he, he gives me a DVD. He gives me a yoga so mat. You got, you got into yoga for competitive reasons. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Which well, goes against everything well, yoga yeah, stands for, surely. Not even necessarily like competitive reasons. Yeah. It was just like, oh, that, that looks interesting. I'll try it out. And James Warren, he's like, it's it's not easy. Mm. I was like, dude, you're stretching. Like, yeah. I, I know you can have tight hammies, but come on. Come on. Yeah. Uh, so he gives me a yoga mat very graciously. Lends me a yoga DVD. No, burns me a yoga DVD. One of his ones. Went to the effort. Went to all the effort. Cool. I remember um, laying the mat on my floor and there was like, there's like easy, intermediate, um, advanced. I, I went in the middle. You know, I wasn't there. I thought you were going to go straight to advanced. No, no, but, okay. I, went, I went in the middle because I like to, for me, that's testing the waters. Like, sure. I never go beginner. If there's three levels, I always go in the middle. And the middle is usually harder than I think it is. Yep. And this was the case. So I think it was a 30 minute yoga session, mm-hmm. like DVD. And I remember getting like five minutes in, if even that. And like holding this pose, I don't remember what the pose was, but I remember getting to a point, my whole body was like, <sighs> and I'm like, I start like sweating. Wow. And the, the chick in the, the DVD is like, and just relax your body, just like be centered with your mind. I'm just like, how? Holy damn. Like, yeah. Couldn't do it at all. I think, I think I gave in about 10 minutes in. Yeah. And I was just like, and cool. we're just going to go to a clip of that now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, literally, like, yeah, 10 minutes in, I was like, cool, this this is difficult. Yeah. Um, that made me want to do it more. Yeah. So I, I, I kept doing it, got to a point where I could do the whole 30 minutes. And nice. then once I did that, I was like, cool, done, packed up, that's enough of yoga. And you didn't enjoy the process enough to keep doing it? Well, I think I was doing it for the wrong reason. Okay. I, I don't like not being able to do something, so... But why did you start meditating then? That was more curiosity than a defiant, yeah. like, I need to... Yeah. Well, the yoga thing is what led... Um, Kind of, uh, is it what led to meditation? Not necessarily. I think, I think I've just I got curious about just our minds and like you were saying, like the thinking mind. Yeah. Um, and funny enough, I think it was the same book the Eckhart Tolle. Oh, I read yours was the, uh, New World, right? Uh, New Earth. Sorry. Yeah. 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 He just talked a lot about just observing mm. uh, your your surroundings and not putting labels on things and just being in moment. Mm. And I remember reading and just being like, huh. Uh, there was one line where he says, like, look look at a flower or something and don't put that on, like, a tree or anything in nature and don't put yep. a label on it and yep. just observe it. And I, obviously, like, I kind of read those things and I was like, okay, come on. This, come on this, now. This is a bit hippie. But then did you put it into practice? And I did. Yeah. Um, just tried it out. And yep. it was awesome. I, yep. There was one point where I was, um, I was in my room and I was just looking out the window and I just ended up staring at the sky for ages. And it felt great. Cool. I, I don't know what it was. I, I never unpacked it, but I was just like, huh, that was really peaceful. Yeah. Um, and then that turned into the idea of being able to kind of like silence my mind on command. Mm. So there was a mindfulness aspect to it, but also that competitive thing as well. Yeah. Of when I first tried to meditate, not being able to get past like three minutes yep. without my brain just like going nuts all the time. Um, yeah. And that turned into a competitive thing. I'm like, all right. I can't go three minutes without like freaking out because it's just too hard. Sure. And yeah, I just added a minute on every time. 
and eventually got to a point where I was just like, one of the first times that my brain actually just stopped. That's profound, right? It was crazy, man. Yeah. It was so dope. Um, what did that feel like? Well, I didn't see it come. Like, were you were like you meditating at the time, time, or it just hit you out of the blue at some point? I was trying. It was isn't in this competitive thing where yeah. I was getting like a minute more every time I yeah. did it. Um, I must have just hit like a sweet spot or something where, in the process, I was doing the whole you know focusing your breath. Mm-hmm. Um, but it got to a point where I stopped focusing my breath, and there was no thought, and it was only for a brief moment. It was a brief moment because it happened, and then I thought, "Oh, you're not thinking," and I'm like, "Oh, shit." I'm thinking about not thinking. And then I got back and into the cycle back. again. Yeah. Um, so it kind of, yeah, started, definitely started as a competitive thing. But mm. that brief moment, there was that a sense of calm and peace that I, yeah. I hadn't experienced in that same way before. I've ex- I'd experienced it in in the form of music, mm. that, that peace and calm of hearing a piece of music um, and just being, just having no words and just being like this I don't know what this is. But, but having that incredible. with no catalyst, I guess, is yeah, the wild part, right? With, with nothing, quote, unquote, to nothing. To trigger it, yeah. Um, yeah, dude. And, and ever since then, I've, I've kind of been up and down with it. Definitely this year, 2020, the crazy year that it's been. Uh, I've gotten more and more into it, more into, into mindfulness. Yeah. Um, just like the perception of the world mm. has been super crazy. Mm. Uh, there was a point where uh, I was dabbling with the idea of like this is going to go down a rabbit hole but like what if this is like a simulation or like in a game i was just i think someone brought a friend brought it up he's like man we could be in a simulation i was like that's absurd but also who i don't know who am i to know who knows who am i to know uh so it was like two days where i was like what if this is just a character in a game yep and it was the funnest couple of days i've ever had yeah i didn't take anything serious like you still take things seriously because you want to win the game like if you're playing a video game, you still want to do well, but mm-hmm. you're also like, it's just a game. Do you feel like material things don't matter as much in that mindset? Or like the physical realm itself doesn't matter as much? Uh, not for me. I'm what not about real- the simulation? What about that? Like it was fun. I think it was it was fun in the sense of like when you play an actual video game and you want to win the game, yeah. but it's also just a video game. And for enjoyment. Yeah. yeah. Like I can do the mission yeah. or I can like, like playing GTA, I can do the missions mm-hmm. or I can like drive around and steal cars. Like obviously don't do that in real life. <laughs> obviously, obviously don't go be doing that. Go, go, you know, carjacking. Yep. But I don't know. It was this, it was almost like a freedom to just enjoy things and not take things too seriously. Yeah. There was one point I remember driving to the studio and it's easy to like think and, and get distracted while you're driving. I remember driving and looking at it as a game. I was just like, like how how well can I stay in between the lines? Like, yep. can I do my lane changes without hitting like the reflectors in the middle? And yep. it, like the drive to work became fun. Yeah, it was dope, man. Yeah, it was dope. Do you think that's just your level of presence being greater in the drive? Definitely. Well, that's the point of it. With I agree. Yeah, with you know enjoying what you're doing in the moment of doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, your presence automatically goes up. So whether mm. that was in, I don't remember if that was intentional or not. Mm. Um, but you just become more present. And I realized I was like doing things while I was driving that I never knew I did. Yeah. Dope. And both of you doing this, how has that kind of affected your music? Has that oh, bro. caused it, that freedom as well? Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. I think, I think for starters through mindfulness, you get stronger connectivity to yourself and your own being, but you also get 
much deep, much more deeply connected to where ideas come from mm. and inspiration and where you channel from creatively. And I've just from, from, like you said, increasing that level of presence and level of connection to myself, I've really felt tangibly what ideas are and where they come from and how that works and how you can facilitate having ideas and bringing them from the non-physical realm into the physical through yourself, how you can make yourself like a worthy conduit to have inspiration, have ideas and be a receiver of those all the time. Mm. It's a really cool thing. And I believe it's from the same realm where we are all one, we are all just beings, but Look also hippie. 100%, <laughs> what are you going to call it, bro? But also that's where pure ideas come from. Yeah. And it's all just one. And I think that that connection is what's deepened through mindfulness. And that's what I what I enjoy about it. True. And like like you said, that potential in yourself, mm. like that true nature of who you are, that being, yeah, that's just like, it's it's heightened for me. Yeah. For me, it hasn't been quite the same with music. It's Music for me has been a freedom of kind of looking at it as a, as a game not to take so seriously. The times where I've enjoyed music the most is when there's been no agenda behind it. Yeah. When I've just been creating for the sake of creating and there is a blissful ignorance to when you start making music or mm. I'm sure it's creatively all around yeah. um, in, in all creative industries. But for me, I remember when I started making music, like got my first guitar, it was just fun. Like I wasn't like, oh, I, I've got to, I'm going to make this song and it's got to get this many streams. We've got to do this social media campaign. It was for the craft, right? Yeah. It was just cause I, it was fun to do. Yeah. Um, and I think all of this, especially the, the idea of like just enjoying the process mm. of what you're doing in that moment. Mm. That's what's come back with creating music for me now. Yeah. When, when things aren't going the way you want it to go from like a creative point of view, for example, I'm trying to get an idea mm. and I guess this is like my erraticness maybe mm -hmm. of wanting to get to that final product quicker. Yeah. Um, whatever that, that is from. But that detaches you from being present in the process yeah. of making the thing. Yeah. And I think it comes back to what you touched on before about when you were saying, like I totally was saying, don't, don't judge things or perceive them a certain way. I read that in the seven spiritual laws of success and it was the same thing of don't judge um, people, actions, events, or ideas before you have the understanding of what they really are. Damn. And that's something that when I've been creating, because like you, I can get frustrated quickly being like, nah, this is trash. And I usually come from that place of like, I'll write the first line of a song 50 times for an hour. <laughs> it's all like, okay, it's good enough. But practicing non-judgment and seeing ideas all the way through until they f they're more fully formed, that non-judgment, I think, is it applies to everything. Yeah, there is, there's, there's a discipline aspect to that that I've done in the past. I, th I think I told you about it. Um, the idea of just like letting go like creatively as well and just allowing things to be whatever they are. Um, I remember learning that from, I don't know where I got the exercise from, but I was writing a verse a day mm -hmm. and then deleting the verse after it. So the thing was... The point was the process. There was the no The point outcome. was the process. So I, I would have to write um, a 16 bar verse every day. Mm -hmm. And no matter how long it took me, sometimes it took me five minutes. Sometimes I would literally spend four hours writing this verse. Yeah. But after every single one, I had to hit delete. No matter how good I thought it was. No so I couldn't do was. that, man. But that was what was amazing about it. Delete, delete. Delete, delete, man. Hmm. Delete, delete. Yeah. There, was one, there was one really hard one. The one that took like a good chunk of my day. Yeah. I remember writing it had this beat that I'd pulled up and I was like, man, this is like the best flow I've done in so long. Like, oh. I was feeling myself. I'm not going to lie. I was feeling myself. Rightfully so by the sounds of it. And I got to the end of it and I was just like, I recorded it just on my phone. Then I'm like, because oh, I knew I have to delete it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, just trying to like embed it in my mind, like in my subconscious. And I remember just like going to hit that delete button and just being like, <sighs> but when I hit delete, it was cool. Mm. I was like, huh. It's just a verse. Yeah. 
I I just did it. Mm. I could do it again. Yeah. Um, and I guess it strengthens your memory if you really if it was a really good idea, you'll have it later again. Yeah. It'll stick with you. But it's just a thing of like working the muscle. Yeah. Um like that riding muscle by doing it so constantly um and being disciplined with it to do it every day like that and mm. then not being attached to the result. Yeah. It allowed me to a lot of days just write a trash verse mm. and be okay with writing a trash verse. Yeah. And then out of that came great verses as well. And that all led to, at the time, I think it was a few months before um, we made the Belly of the Beast album. Cool. So all led to that. And the thing was, when we got to making the album, that was the, the most that everything has flowed in yeah. so long. Because you'd been working that muscle right up to that point. Yeah. Well, cool. it, was, it was unintentional to, an, to a point. I, yeah. was, I was writing, you know, going like, I don't know why I started it, but I started doing it. But when it came to actually having to write the album and the lyrics and the concepts mm. and what I wanted the album to be, once we had the music there, it all just fell into place. Did you feel detachment when you were making the album from, I guess, outcomes for the album itself? No. Okay. No. Because I knew that was going to be a tangible piece of work at the end of the day. So that still played into it for sure. Did that affect the creative process at all? Was it any different when you were just writing those verses and deleting them? No. And that was the good part. And that's about the it. lesson, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the the actual creation it purified process, the craft a bit. Yeah. yeah. I was I was writing, and because I was so detached from writing just a verse, yeah, it was just another verse. Cool. And I realized, like, if you write a trash verse for this, even it's even though it's on the album, if you write a trash verse, you can just delete it. Freedom. No one will ever know. Yeah. Um, but fortunately for that process, that's not really what happened. Most of what I wrote. The first time is what, yeah, is, is what made it on the album. <laughs> tight, like, tight. Um, there were very little tweaks and also the detachment of, of which is interesting because I know you don't work like this, mm. but there was not a lot of rewrites or looking over things or mulling over why things were written. That's become less of a thing for me. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Lately. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that was always amazing about it was I was able to just write and let it be what it was. You think um, that's a confidence thing? Yeah, I think so. Because for me, it's a confidence in the sense of like, you touched on enjoying the process before. Like I enjoy the creation so much more than I used to. And that's for me, come down to detaching from outcomes as well. Yeah. But but having just that level of passion and enjoyment and freedom, like you said, in the process, the energy around that's just so, so dope, man. Yeah, it translates. It I, definitely yeah. does. And and I, but but yeah, when you said about rewrites, I've just never felt like with, with a song that hasn't yet come out, um, that was written in 20 minutes. Like that was actually channeled. Yeah. And that was the fastest thing. Um. Because I was just there and present and really there for, for the process. Mm. It's very different. It's, yeah. It, it's something that, like, I'm, I'm not someone to unpack too much. So, I, I just accept whatever it is as it is. That's where I come in, bro. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's <laughs> where Kirk comes in it and lays it all down for me. Lays 100%. it on the table. Yeah. Wasn't there, like, a, a 700 take? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was nobody. In, in yeah. No, I have no shame about that. 1100? It was seven hundred. Seven hundred. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I got nobody. My facts right here. <laughs> <laughs> you got, you got the facts yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was a few days in the studio. For those who don't know, I think three different sessions. Yeah. Yeah. Kirk came in and delivered a staggering seven hundred and three takes. Yeah. On nobody. Song, nobody. So when you hear nobody, that how long is the song? Uh, three minutes. That three minute song. Yeah. Just remember, seven hundred so individual work. takes went into. There was very that. little enjoyment in the process in that particular song. <laughs> that was like me just like wanting to nail those. They were that tight flows, bro. Like they're no joke. And uh, yeah, that 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 took a lot. Whereas <laughs> the stuff was, now. What was the reason for that? Was just, it just bro? This you the, were the changing delivery. No, I just kept yeah. doing lines like single lines over and over until we. I heard them right. I think you were probably like. <laughs> we got that it. Point. We got it. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent, bro. Let's move on. Um, 
No, but when with the I don't know, it was precision of the raps. I really wanted to hear them be super airtight um, and have the melodies. You know, it, it was just a process. Yeah, I remember actually what it was was you were really like you were hell bent on smacking out the verse as one go. Yeah, which can be good. Yeah, I I remember that now. You were like, True. nah, the whole verse has to be done in one solid take. Yeah, like no no vocal comping. I like think that's you, just like the old school rap from me coming out, just yeah, like a pride thing. But even know? that, like, uh, oh. People are gonna crucify me. Who's the dude from NWA who like rapped one one line at a uh, easy cube? Easy, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, dude. If that's it sounds OG tight, rap. It sounds tight. Yeah, as long as you can do it live, that's the big differentiator yeah. for me. But we're not live. We're in the studio. Yeah, but I can't spit it live. Yeah, yeah. So that that's what I remember that process being of you yeah. really, really like super bent on on it being. I want this to be one solid take. Yeah, from top to bottom, and I remember like low key in the back like saving all my favorite takes. And there was one point where I, I stitched together a few takes and you're like, that's it. And I was like, <laughs> that wasn't one take, right? <laughs> Did you fool me in that process? No, I told like, you. Told me, cool. Yeah, I told you. You were like, cool. that's it. And I was like, yeah, I stitched together the last couple of takes. Yeah. And you're like, huh. Yeah. Cool. And I think since then it's become about efficiency and not being like, yo, it has to be bar for bar. Like, yeah. yeah. But even like we wouldn't have got those takes without that process anyway. And we True. even after we did that, we still continued to keep doing takes True. and we ended up getting better takes. You're right, man. Um, but yeah, that that's why there were so many takes. But I guess that's the process. All that it sucked for you. All mm. I really, all I have to do in that moment is is endure. Yeah, <laughs> it's just say do do another one and, and hit the record button. Yeah, um, my job's pretty easy in yep. that world. But since then, I don't think we've done that again. For example, no, like we, but we might again. Part. Oh, and I'm open to it. I hope not, but I'm open to it. <laughs> but with that, and then yeah, the, the cool thing with with more recently with Sai was that you were heavily involved in the thousands of melody ideas I bought in. Like I just bought in tons of ideas to you. I think we did 12 different rewrites yeah. of the song. Yeah. Um, but you were great in the process of being like, especially when, when I thought things were amazing, you're like, yeah, but is it translating to the feeling? Like, what is the feeling? You kept bringing me back to like the defining, this is the feeling, this is the direction. Mm. Are all these little decisions adding to that feeling or are we getting further and further away from it? Mm. And that was a really good guiding point for me to, to come back to the feeling of the song. And that's why the rapping just slowly disintegrated. I don't know if you remember the OG version, but yeah. it's like a, an upbeat trap banger with like Doja Cat references. Yeah. And then it became this like really dark, melodic, like twisted, like agonizing, regretful kind of sound. And you helped me identify that feeling and, and strive towards it. So that was that was also a cool part of the process with you, man. Yeah, I think that was definitely me projecting what I, what I love about music onto you and onto yeah. the people that I work with. Um, there was a few videos I'd been watching. One was Anderson Pack's Tiny Desk. Mm. I remember watching it. And just like he had this like smile on his face when he's like playing the drums and he's just like just chilling. Yeah. And he's just he's just uh, he's just grooving. It just is music, bro. That's I remember watching him and instantly realizing that I had a huge smile on my face. Mm. And I was like, I took time and I technically sounds amazing as well. Yeah. But there was something about the feeling I got watching him and listening to him play. And, if, and an intent that he was sending through the microphone and mm. through the visual of watching him. Yeah. Yeah, look look at that guy. Dude. Uh, uh, just chilling. But, like, he, but he's translating the feeling as much as the music itself. Like his exactly. energy, right? But that, that energy comes through him playing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, watching things like this, is, there's another one, a Daniel Caesar one. The Mac one is incredible. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I started becoming really obsessed with like why especially in a situation like this where it's just them with their raw instruments, there's no incredible production going on. Yeah. Why do I feel more connected to this? Than the songs? Not necessarily than the songs, but why am I so connected to this 
compared to something that's been polished and done well. Mm. And it came back down to the look at that smile. Huh. Just groove. He's just Andy, bro. Himself, right? Look at this dude. Right? He's just chilling. So far. There was something about they just look like they're loving it. They're just enjoying themselves. Yeah. And that enjoyment was the feeling. Mm. There was a feeling like I can't even hear it and I I I'm getting excited watching it. Yeah. Like there there was something about being able to Oh man, I'm not gonna get into this. <laughs> Sorry. Just Andy. <laughs> not at all. Andy gets me. But yeah, I, I started kind of researching this and, and looking more into it of mm. the feeling behind music is why a lot of us connect to a lot of songs to start with, especially yeah. in like early teens or or whatever, and when we start getting into bands that influence kind of who we end up being. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, th- just that idea of actually executing that on a track and yeah. having that intent while creating the track. The feeling intent? Yeah. Well, th- this is the first time these songs are the first time I've done that. Yeah. From Psy and, and the other songs in the trilogy. That's the first time I've gone strictly from that point of like, this is the feeling, let's work towards that as the end goal. Mm-hmm. Not so much the energy or the rapping delivery, like nobody liked the feeling around it. Yeah. And that's also, as you said in the live sense, that's translated live for me. And I remember you, when you saw Too Late Live, the song that's also not yet out, and you were like, that's a very clear direction, that cheeky energy that I had as mm-hmm. to what you should feel as a viewer and an audience member. Yeah directing that as as the performer and the artist that's really cool and that's what you just said about andy as well and i love that yeah that strong sense of like this is the feeling we're having right now and people can clearly identify that and like run with that yeah i think that's pretty powerful yeah for me anyway i'm sure for for heaps people creators of music and and people who just listen to music as well there is something undeniable about how how a piece of music or even watching someone play can make you feel Mm. there was one um one story I remember hearing, this guy was talking about um, his dad took him to like some crazy piano recital thing, some like world-renowned pianist, pianist. And, um, no, no. Come on. and uh, they sat through like this hour concert and the guy hit every note and he was eloquent on the keys and he, he made it look beautiful. But they walked out and the kid said to his dad, he's like, he played great, but I didn't get anything from it and his dad said something in in the effect of yeah he was playing all the right notes but he wasn't playing the music and i was just like what do you at first i didn't get it and i was like he's playing the notes but he's not playing the music and i realize now how i interpret is the music being the feeling there was there's, there's a way to be technically proficient at something and if you can have both then awesome yeah but there is still something about seeing an artist or a performer live, and I've had this happen, where you can be in front of someone and hear, like a singer or something, for example, and you hear, hear the they're, talent. They're technically, yeah. like on both sides, you can see, hear that some people are technically amazing. Mm. They're hitting every note, but there's something not, there's not, there's something that's just missing, mm-hmm. and you can't put your finger on it. And then I've also seen people who are doing all right hitting the notes, but there is something about how they're doing it that make you just forget. Or not even realize that they actually might not be hitting notes. There was mm. one particular show that I saw where it wasn't until I watched back the footage that I was like, oh, they're actually not hitting all the notes. Mm. But I remember in the moment being like, this is the most amazing performance I've ever seen. What made it amazing outside of the the slight technical like inability? What what was it outside of that? They were just their energy. They were, they were putting through some sort of intentional energy. Right. They were putting through something. Yep. And this wasn't who it was, but I remember another show I went to, Adrian Eagle. Dude, he, dude. He, oh, he embodies that incredibly. Yep. I can't watch him and not just be like, oh, life's great. He, yeah, he's, yeah, he's incredible. Yeah. Just 
but to be able to like, and that's something else that, I, you know, I guess trying to unpack these things a bit more of, of why is that the case? Obviously a talented and incredible musician and singer yeah. and writer, but there is an, an energy around him when he's performing and when he's speaking as well, mm-hmm. that you're just like, hmm. Mm. This guy knows. He's just joyful, dude. Yeah, yeah. It's just pure joy. Yeah, um, and that feeling is what you remember, I think. Yeah, just from meeting, even outside of music, just meeting people who have that kind of energy. Yeah, that's it, what sticks with you. Mm. And it's interesting with like, I'd love to know with someone like him if it's um, something that he's going in very conscious of, in the sense of I think we've talked about uh, like when I do shows, CK shows, I have the intention before I go on stage mm. to enjoy myself and in in turn, allow people who are watching it to enjoy themselves. I want them to leave a little bit happier than they came in. You know, I want them to leave feeling like life's great. And no matter what's happening before I step on that stage, I have to be able to flick that switch. Mm. So I'm interested to know if, if it's something similar for someone like him. Um, there've definitely been like days on tour where I've just been wrecked, just totally wrecked. And James has felt this as well. But as soon as you go on, and as soon as that first song starts, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, nothing else matters. Yeah, you you're like almost flick the switch. Yeah, I've had times where I've been physically ill, and instantly the second I've started playing, that has gone. That's it's gone. vanished, and it comes back when you finish. Absolutely, bro. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. And how has it been not being able to do that right now with the with the virus? Is it, are you missing the stage? I won't lie to you. I won't lie to you at all. Um, I love being behind the scenes. So I've been doing more studio stuff, more mixing, especially mixing. Um, love mixing. And I love the, the process of creating music with other people mm. and just creating music for myself as well um, the last few weeks. Playing shows has a particular energy that I love. I've always said if there was a way to like to, to get out of my bed and get on stage and then finish the show and be directly back in my bed would be the perfect job. Well, well that's perfect for covid it's the the streaming yeah streaming yeah. era to be yeah. honest the yeah there's been a few era. amazing shows that i've seen and i've watched in the comfort of my bed with like my nice headphones on i've been like this is amazing this is great i love this yeah uh don't get me wrong there's nothing like being a punter in a real thing yeah um but yeah this and also yeah. performing shows in that way yeah like you both guys did live in your lounge from Together, a performer, yeah, yeah. yeah from performing yeah. point of view it's very different it's yeah yeah, it's easier to get in your head from a from the performance side. Dude, when I was seeing it. myself on camera, that tr- that that tripped me out. Yeah. That was not cool at that's all. That's a real trip. I never want to see myself performing. <laughs> that's a real that's trip. That's for people, but that's not for me. Dude, yeah. That's an interesting one. I was doing um Kira Mosa just did hers as well and they were cool. doing you we all did uh, yeah, we yeah, j- cool. jumped on for a song. Dope. But the night before we did a rehearsal and she she has dances and all these crazy shit going on. Yeah. But uh, in the dance studios they have like the mirrors mm-hmm. and you watch how you're moving. I found this weird thing when I was rehearsing that I couldn't look at myself in the mirror while doing it. <laughs> Why was that? I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, is it like a, a, a shyness thing? Or like, why can't I look at myself? I feel like the more aware or the more you overthink your movement, the less natural it's going to be. That's what True. I felt when I was performing. Yeah. Like, I like to be just present and see how people are reading me and let that guide my movement. Yeah. And not be like, oh, I'm going to put my right foot here. The second I start doing shit like that with, with rapping as well, it, it'll be very It technical. all goes down. Yeah. And the feeling you talked about, the technicality might be there, but the feeling won't be won't be yeah, as present. Yeah, because you're thinking about what how you're moving. That's very true. You don't want to be thinking about that. Yeah, no. that's very true. Because I think there is a time for that as well. Um, with someone like Kira, how much rehearsal goes in mm. to it, 
eventually becomes second nature. Yeah. Um, so I guess then when you're performing, like he can spend that time getting the technical right. which Before is, you actually play. Yeah, which yeah. is what the greatest musicians do. Like talking about Anderson Pack before, I'm sure he didn't just jump on a kit one day and was amazing. No, sir. Like there, there is so much, so many years go into that discipline mm. to get into a point where it just becomes second nature. Yeah. Like you're not thinking about it. Um, I think that's what's important as well with, especially for new artists, I think, mm-hmm. watching these more established artists of, of you have to realize that it's not, we all know it's not an overnight thing, but it's easy to forget that sometimes. Yeah. The amount of work you need to put in for it to be that good. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's very easy to oversee that and very easy to, to oversee what um, the process that could have gone into whatever you're experiencing is. Mm. I think that's the great thing about being an artist. You, you have the you appreciation have that. for that. Yeah. Yeah. And you analyze it a bit as well. Like you enjoy shows, but you also carefully analyze how they're yep. that good when they're that good. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite things. I think with music as well. Yeah. I think I always listen subconsciously to music from an analytical perspective. Yeah. To be like, why is this so good? And unpack the feeling behind it. I know that's how Pharrell creates, creates music as well. He like hears a feeling in a song and he goes systematically, I'm going to break down how this feeling was constructed and reconstructed in a similar way, which is why I got caught out with Marvin Gaye. <laughs> <laughs> but but the yeah, analyzing that feeling and unbreaking that down, that yeah. Yeah, it's 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 an incredible way to do it, an incredible way to appreciate art in general, but not even just art, but um, even things like uh, sort of on topic, sort of not on topic, but um, speaking to my mom about she's a teacher mm. and hearing her talk about that, I the more I heard her speak, the more I was like, this is a creative practice in itself. In the way you interact with people in that yeah, role? Yeah, like as a teacher, um, this same thing we're talking about, there is, you, you have to learn and know the knowledge, but then there's a performance in a sense as well when you're in front of a classroom. That's of different to who should be at home, for example, or... Maybe an extension of who she is at home. Yeah. Um, but in that same way, if we jump on stage and we have to flip on a switch and perform, mm. speaking to my mom, it's it seems like it's the same thing because you're commanding a classroom. You've now got to have the attention of these 20 or 30 kids yep. who some of them probably would rather be anywhere else. Mm. And you've got to find a way to hold their attention for X amount of time. Mm. And also impart knowledge on them. Like, Do you feel like you have to flip a switch at shows when you're just, you know, you've, you're performing that night, but you're at the show just around people? Do you feel like you have to flip a switch to be a certain level of energy? I used to. Yeah. 100% used to. Yeah. Um, it started off unintentional and then it became very intentional. Uh, like old transit bar days, um, going in and just, just enjoying myself. You know, mm. I like to go and I like to have a dance. I like to be first on on front of stage when people start performing yep. that was one thing that once again i wasn't thinking about it at the time but if i start performing and no one's on on the dance floor or in front of the stage i wish that someone would get up and move that's to something the- you told me from day one we've been interstate and had support acts play for us and i've yep. been like their front center vibing yep. out yep no one else has. and that yeah i mean i think doing that subconsciously in, in whatever manner mm. um someone brought it to my attention and that's when it changed someone was like man and it became intentional yeah, yeah, he's like, I love how you always come in and like you just like got all this energy and you just like vibing out. You're, you're like, like yeah, yeah, stage. I do, right? I do have that. Yeah, like you know, I'm, I'm like, cool, thank you, appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. But then after that, I almost felt this obligation to be like that every time. So I was like, huh. Now every time I go into this space or a space like it, I now have to be this full of energy, like what's that guy? And you that know, like two, two. <laughs> But that's when it gets tiring, right? That's when it gets uber tiring. Yep. But also, there's a weird thing about that as well that in my mind, I was doing it to help facilitate 
everyone else's experience, which is maybe a pretty egotistical thing as well. Of thinking like, I think it's I'm, pretty selfless. I'm the one here. There is a selfish element. I'm not gonna lie. Both, yeah, but yeah. yeah. You know, I like attention sometimes, and that that plays into it. Mm. But like being able to go in and and at least foster an environment where you allow everyone else to mm. feel comfortable. Yeah, there's nothing like the first guy on the dance floor to to break the ice. You're I'm like, that and that's what I used to do. I'm like, cool. I'll go on. I'll look like an idiot for a bit. And then once people start coming on, I'd usually break back. I'd usually like. Just You've done your job. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd slip back and sit down. Like it's a, when it was intentional, that's what would happen a lot, actually. Mm. Um, I was like, I felt like it was my job um, or my responsibility to, to get people up front yep. and, and listening and giving that person their attention. Mm. And then once people started doing that, I'd be like, okay, cool. Now I can sit down. Mm. Um once again, it was overthinking now, like looking back at it. I was yeah. like, just be who you are and feel what you feel. Yeah. But I but I had that switch that I wanted to activate in myself all the time, I realized. Mm. Like I realized I always wanted to have that big vibe encompassing energy and, and be, I guess, remembered for that or known for that. Yeah. Which was obviously the same thing. It's like it's putting that effort into like, oh, man, I have to be on this level of energy again all the time. It can get draining, man. You got that, though. Anyone who knows Kirkland, that's the first thing I they do, say. but I feel like, yeah. But I feel like I, it's it's a bit more elongated now. It's not like in short bursts like it used to be. Yeah, I'm just yeah present all the time now, and, and I can have much more longer days because of that, and it, yeah. it's nice. Yeah. yeah, no, I totally feel that, man. I totally feel that, and it's yeah. Once again, it comes back to what I think is who we are as people, and and many people are like that, I guess. Yeah. But also, there is a responsibility in a way to be that to be that kind of person, mm-hmm. um, because when you come in, like if. If I'm being a bit sluggish and you come in with energy, guess what's going to naturally happen? Yeah, the other day I came in with like 2,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who was I in with? Uh, Jeff. Yeah, Jeffrey. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jeffrey was in and you came busting through the doors and we were just like, I think we were having these really like zen conversations. Yeah. And you just came busting through the doors and we were like, oh, damn, okay, that's that's where we're going. So excited for work, bro. That's what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Dude, I love it, man. Me too. I love it. Yeah. Nick, what's been happening on your end with uh, you into meditation or anything? No, I'm not. Um, but yoga does intrigue me because because oh, yeah. I'm getting old and my my bones are sore. Do you like the CD, bro? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Somewhere. Yeah, maybe I could get a class from KJ. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I've been meaning to do that. Yeah. Yeah. But um. No, I've I've been focusing on just working at the moment, so yeah, I haven't had. Uh, my mind in those sort of places. Yeah. yeah. Do you have like a, a daily, obviously having um, a nine to five plays into this, but do you have some sort of daily routine, whether intentional or um, subconsciously that, that, that you find yourself kind of doing? Um, yeah, I, I'm a good, I'm a sleep in kind of guy. Yeah. So I always, I need a lot of sleep, but once I'm up, I'm pretty good. Mm. I'm pretty regular with my diet and, that sort of thing. But what I'm not good at is making sure I go to the gym every day or that sort of stuff. Like mm. I'm, I'm, I'm usually editing every night after work or yeah. working on this and stuff. So yeah. I, that's not my priority. It's, yeah. it's doing other video related things like this mm. that comes first, which probably isn't a good thing all the time, but, um, yeah. Yeah. It's hectic. There was, um, gonna flex it a little bit but please, I, please. start of the year I, I did this um challenge with a friend of mine john silic the 75 yeah. challenge uh, mm-hmm. this was during the filming of um funny business yes it was you were either 
about to start it or you were I was finishing? About to finish it. Yeah, 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 I was so close to finishing because everyone wanted to go have a beer afterwards and I couldn't because I was like, that's right. I was a few that was days like the last off. weekend, maybe. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so basically, it's it's Cut and wait for the video. Yeah, oh, bro, <laughs> it was hectic, but it was this thing of like the uh, once again just did it because I was like, that sounds cool, curious, sure. see what it'll do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's five things every day for seventy five days straight. Drink a gallon of water, so four liters. Mm-hmm. Um, work out twice a day. One has to be outside no matter what. Um, pick a diet and follow it. Mm-hmm. No cheat meals, no alcohol. Yep. Um, take a progress photo, mm-hmm. nice and easy. And read 10 pages of a nonfiction book. And like for 75 days straight, let me point out, I failed the first time. I got to day 32 the first time. And, There's uh, no way I could do that. There's no way <laughs> I could do that. It'd be tough, yeah. yeah. That was always crazy though. It was, it was all a mindset thing. It was a hundred percent a mindset thing. There was a few times in it. Um, I'll be honest. I'm not the most disciplined guy. I'm, I'm a very like. Now is a good time to do this, so I'm going to do it. If I don't feel like it, I don't do it. Disciplined um, or routine? What was that? Like, do you feel like you're not disciplined? You don't have a, like a clear routine with things. Okay, yeah, that's probably a better way to put yeah, it. Yeah, I feel like you're disciplined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a that's a better way to put yeah. it. But there were days where I knew because. I had to get it like you have until you go to sleep to tick off those things. Mm-hmm. So if it if it's hit midnight or one a.m. and I still haven't done them, guess what I got to do for the next forty five minutes? Some sort of workout. And it was like it was something about challenging myself to that point where realizing that all it was was flicking a switch in my brain of of perception. Like the workout things were definitely. I'm not. A, I hate not hate working out, but I'm not a working out guy. No. That's that's. I not just rejoin the gym. No big deal. Okay. Wow. Look at this. Guy. <laughs> um, that's yeah. That's that's not my thing. Yeah. But there was something about, especially early in the morning, knowing if I had something on, like a session, um, you know, at eight or nine in the morning. Mm-hmm. Now I've got to be up at least an hour and a half before yep. to do a workout and to do everything else I need to do. And there was always had to be the start of the day though. You couldn't do it later. Well, that was the, what I learned the first time, which was get both workouts done in the first half of your day. Yeah. Um, that was important for me to, to, to know that the second time because, mm. yeah, the first time you, your day goes along and she gets in the way. Yeah. Um, so the second time around, it was a very thing of like, cool, here's what I need to do, get it done and move on. Mm-hmm. But that mindset thing of what I was going to say, the, the working out part, there was like a 10-second window where if I didn't just get up, and do it within that 10 seconds, it was going to become 40,000 times harder to do. Yeah. And I became aware of this. So I'd, I'd, I'd count myself down when I was like, ever like, oh, I could think of nothing worse than getting up. Like, yeah. So I'm like, cool. You've got 10 seconds, right? Like as soon as that thought comes in, another thought came in of like, you've got 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, cool. I got 10 seconds to like, just sit here and like, feel sorry for myself. And I'd get down to like, you know, count down from 10. I'd get down to one. Yep. And before I hit zero, I have, like, if I'm in bed, I have to be out and on the floor, mm-hmm. like on on zero. Every time. All mentality thing. It, yes, I could have got to 11 yep. and I would have gotten up anyway. But there was something about like being like, yeah, I got mm. 10 seconds. But I feel like the longer you have to build up the task in your mind, the more daunting it gets with yep. anything. Yep. Yeah. And I think we talked about this recently, but the idea of like having something you need to get done, the longer it's left not being done, the more you create how big of a task it is to do, mm-hmm. which I've, I've realized recently is a behavior of mine as well. Yeah. So I crunch things out as I think of them, if I'm able to. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what's the dream? The dream? Yeah. In? This, Kirkland. 
The, wow. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sudden transition, man. Yeah, bro. The flow's just pivoted. Uh, in, in Kirkland, in Daniel, in uh, talk to me. Give me... Uh, actually, give me Daniel. Give me Daniel? Yeah. Uh, well, to fulfill my creative potential, to achieve a certain degree of material success and figure out my true purpose in serving the world. Okay. He's thought about this. Yeah. Nick? That's the next few years. Um, my goal <laughs> in life... Um, get to episode two, <laughs> uh, straight from the source. Big vibe. What's uh, yours, bro? Um, figuring it out, figuring it out still. Mm. Um, there's obviously citizen case stuff that I want to do and production, uh, mixing stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess career wise, I, I know where I'm heading. Mm-hmm. Um, from a production point of view, I'd love to have a full team of people where I am, I just become another cogging machine. Um, build something a team to a point where i'm not needed anymore mm-hmm. and have that be able to go on and be its own thing yeah so that's a team of everything audio related from from creating like film music to, mm-hmm. to jingles and tv but yep. like working with artists artist mm-hmm. development cool um production mixing anything yep. audio related yeah i would love to be part of a team that can be at a world standard the mm. best in the world i want that but for a, a creative direction team I want to build a creative team of like, yeah, of all kinds of creatives to lead like a a certain uh, creative direction vision and also build a marketing team as well. Yeah, tight. I want to be at the forefront of those two things in music while making and building my own artist project, but I feel like all three feed into each other. Yeah, they'll all all fit into it. And I'm not sure where I got it from, but for me, the important part of that is getting to a point where I'm not important in it. How do you mean? It's easy for... I guess these visions to rely on one person without that person being the head of it, it can, the vision of a company or a team can quickly fall apart. It seems to surround whoever the main person is. So could you, for example, never succeed in that in Citizen K, for example, because you're always the defining part of that? Is that what you mean? Well, for Citizen K, that's different. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So that's something where it can't, but in production, for example, you're not defining what that looks like. Yeah, in in terms of um, having... You still want to build, or well for me, I still want to build a team that is based around, for me, like having a great core values is really important. Yeah. And having a team that share um, a certain set of core values mm. is really important. Mm. But those core values get to a point um, where they'll speak for themselves. They don't need someone like me who, you know, I plan to fa- find, the, like be the founder of this. Sure. Um, get to a point where it'll continue without me and sure. still have that same moral compass and still have that same energy, still have that same... It, it, something bigger than me. Yeah, Those very similar thing on. for me. That's why I want to create a d- direct for other artists, so I'm not at the forefront of it. I'm serving yeah. someone else with with a collaborative vision. Yeah. That's what I like to do the most, I think. Yeah, there's something about... Um, I, saw to, I saw to a director about it yesterday, actually. Cool. Um, and she was talking about... She wants you know she wants to do a similar thing, build... Sorry, a film director? Or yeah, yeah, film cool, director. Cool. She wants to build a company that basically... I think she said she she's only allowed to be on the board of it mm-hmm. for up to 18 months. Yep. And then she has to resign from it and someone else has to take the mantle. So if there's a board of five people, it's like we're only allowed to be the board for 18 months. Cool. Because she realized in that industry, there are gatekeepers who just hold that mantle until they die. And she's like, that's not what it's about. You're always passing the torch on by continuously circulating. And I'm like, but this is like your baby you're building. She's like, yeah, I'm still going to be a part of it, mm. but I don't want to be a gatekeeper in it. 
because that's how you stop things from, um, I guess, growing quicker and, and new ideas really circulating because yeah. you get stuck in one mind frame. Or a selfish mind frame. Yeah, which I'd never thought about that. And I was like, damn, that's super dope. Mm. Um, and it's just thinking ahead, like it got me actually thinking about uh, my parents and them migrating here from Ghana. They've come here knowing that they're like, obviously they've, they've gotten a lot of coming here, mm. but I, I know they know that they're just setting up like generational wealth, for example. They're, they're the first step to what their grandkids' grandkids are going to be reaping the benefits from. I guess I was the same for my grandfather as well. Mm. Yeah, migrating from Europe. Yeah. Laying the foundation for us here so we can even be here in Australia doing what we're doing. Yeah, and there's something so like incredible about that, thinking about it. Of that far ahead? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like thinking about us, but now it got me thinking of like, through their support and, and their sacrifice of coming here, what um, Genesis and I are doing with our music careers, like probably wouldn't have happened without that happening. No. But now they set a path and we're setting a path so our kids. I'm, I started thinking about like how far down the line this is going to go. Like it's going to be mad. It's legacy, man. It's going to be mad, but yeah. it, it obviously started with their parents. Like it goes way back, yeah. but for this chapter of it, I was like, man, Mom and dad, damn, power to you. Love that, bro. Power to you. And especially for them, like, they always plan to just go back home. So it was never about them. That selflessness. Are they still planning to go back home? Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, they're... they're at at um, what point? So dad's, like, getting ready. They're, they're building their house back in Ghana right now. Yeah. Yeah. I would have thought maybe around the time of the bushfires, he would have been like, actually, I'll jet down. <laughs> but, but he was chilling. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Bef before, <laughs> before then he started. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, nah, they... Yeah, there's something about knowing that it was it was so selfless in that manner. Yeah. Of like especially I know I know dad for for a fact cuz we've spoken about it. Um but there is definitely something about knowing that it's not a, it wasn't about him at all. They like, moved here to raise you guys it was, here. It was yeah. straight for Kofi and I. Like That's, that's wild, it. bro. That's, that's so wild, selfish. man. Yeah. yeah. That is wild. Yeah. So now I think I'm getting to a point where I'm like, "Huh?" That's what it's about. Just just setting the stones and setting the pieces for the next. Mm. And that's a much bigger picture than anything that we, I don't know, deal with on an immediate level that might stress us out or anything. I think bearing that in mind is very guiding. Yeah. And on that note, what is your single uh, strongest held belief that you think guides you the most? Oh, damn. Yeah, you're copping curveballs now, bro. Um, that thing, I think guides me the most. Mm-hmm. The line, it was actually from the Eckhart Tolle book, mm -hmm. um, this too shall pass. Powerful. Yeah. Especially powerful the, for the positive for me. Yeah. I think it's it seems obvious to, to tell yourself in negative times, this will this will pass. change. Yep. When shit's going great, yep. when you're at the top of your game, when outcomes are going wild, that's all going to go as well. Yep. That's really important to remember. That, that's what was powerful for me. Me too. Because that reminder reminds me to really and truly enjoy when like Things shit's on the up and up. Yeah. I'm like, cool. This is amazing. Yeah. I'm going to enjoy it. But Be I'm also like, it. when it's done, it's done. Mm. Um, And through that as well, being in a state of gratitude when things are and aren't going well. I think that's both. the key to everything, man. Right. Leading with gratitude. Man. There's a powerful energy around that, man. <sighs> Don't even get me started. Yeah, man. yeah. We just I, did. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I feel like I'm in, I'm in this like untouchable space right now. Yeah. Um, and it has a lot to do with gratitude for the, like, I, I just spoke about my parents, um, but for like, you know, Nick, this, you, this situation, well, the people around gratitude me. Gratitude for relationships, man. Bro. 
that's always at the top of everything for me now. Such gratitude for like music and being in the music industry and yep. being a musician and a creative. Like most of the people that are in my life, I met through music. All of my close relationships are through music. Yep. Yeah. Was born through music and are now just close relationships. Yeah. Super yeah, yeah. 90% of my relationships are because of music in one shape. Because of work. Yeah. Dude, uh, that's... How can you not be grateful for that, man? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Bro. Bro. But putting... And not, not that I haven't, like, always done this, but I think there's just been a, a, a more recent profound thing of, like, relationships really are at the top of everything for me now. Mm. Like, more so than work or my own ambition, whatever it might be. Like, the people in my life are what everything revolves around. Mm. And funnily enough, so does success. Yeah. That's probably there as well. Yeah. And they all play into each other. It's, they it's, do. Um, like, it's no secret to you that I strongly believe that Canberra in particular is going to be a creative hub. Mm-hmm. On planet Earth, mm-hmm. Canberra is going to be a creative hub. Yep. Um, and I've gone to, I think I've told myself that so many times now that I'm just like, it's just, it's just gravity to conclusion. me. No, but people are saying that, man. It is, it is a strong held belief in the community, musicians, in the creative fields. Yeah. We, we all feel it. But the only way to get to that is the gratitude of one, for one, but like knowledge sharing, the idea that, Very true. that you don't have to lose for me to win. Yep. I think so, that's what, so yeah. So that goal you were talking about, the, um, the audio yep. hub, you're seeing that as being in Canberra? A hundred percent. It'll it'll branch out internationally, but yep. that that core hub based in yeah, yeah. based in Canberra. Hundred percent. So one hundred percent, dude. Has to be. Knowledge sharing is a big one, actually. It's being successful with being transparent. I think is really important. Yeah. Well, we know everything we know because someone else has chosen to share that knowledge. Completely agree. But I just find it interesting when people that are successful hoard the keys, so to speak. I feel like anyone who's really successful doesn't hold the keys. True. Hundred percent. Mm. Anyone who's who's really gotten to a, a point of what I consider as true success, games. yeah, a hundred percent, dude. I agree. Yeah, and so I guess I see that um, the people who've been who've been gracious and kind enough to give me their time that are way beyond where I am, and I go, huh, okay. For me, that's that's a piece of the puzzle. That's a defining trait of those yep. people. Yeah, that's a, a absolutely defining trait. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, cool. If I'm not like that now, I need to be like that to get to there. Through giving. People might not know that you're a pretty big part of music ACT. You're on the board. Or yeah, yeah. Sort of there. What are you seeing that's making you think Canberra is going to be a creative hub uh, through that music ACT work, which is a sort of advocacy group, mm. advocacy group for Canberra musicians? Well, the big thing of, obviously, I know as creatives that we're on the same page, mm-hmm. but knowing that there are people who not admire the creatives, but are just are there for us who aren't creatives themselves. There are people who have this same vision and have the same passion about it that like I do or you do or we do. There's something about that that's giving you more hope. And being in somewhere like Music ACT is what's making me see that. You know, we've got um, someone like Dave Caffrey or, or Daniel Ballantyne who are expending so much of their energy into making shit better for us. Yeah. Man, all, all the venue owners, people who own venues, obviously they're running a business as well, yes, but it's all benefiting us. Mm. It's all this continuous circle, everything plays into everything else. Um, without the venues, there can't be us playing them. Without us playing them, the venues can't really keep have any th- content going on. Yeah. So that's really what's 
really solidified for me is understanding and and being around people who aren't necessarily in the industry that still have that same like vigor for it. Um, once again, being in music HD, like Dave Caffrey and and Daniel Ballantyne. Man, I was I was with um, for those who don't know about Daniel Ballantyne, he's in the back, but I was with him today, and how he speaks about like musicians around Canberra and the way that Canberra growth is there, mm. and you know they spend a lot of time lobbying to the government. Bro, um, he gave a speech at Sideway for the Live Music Awards last year, and I was on my feet clapping, like bro. so charged up about the future for the city, man. Like he he is inspiring when he speaks yeah. about it. For yeah, real. he's incredible, yeah. man. He's incredible, and more and more people are becoming like that, if mm. not already like that. Mm. Um. I think there is also a sense of, I guess, with technology now, the understanding that people don't have to move out of Canberra. Well, you showed me that day one for me, man, of like wanting to make music, seeing you and, and the platform you built, but Shaq, Shaq telling me you were from Canberra. Mm. It changed my whole perception of like, oh, I'll have to be in Melbourne or Sydney doing this. Yeah. I no, never did. Taking them over. And we've been here since. Taking them over, man. Absolutely. Taking them over. Because that was, the, yeah, that was the hardest thing about the first tour. How did you learn that real quick? That was, yeah. And our first tour, yeah. we met, I don't even know how many people. Yeah. A bunch of people that were like, oh, you're from Canberra? I was from Canberra. That conversation happened too many times. But they'd moved or? Yeah. Right. Originally from Canberra and then they were in another city now, usually Sydney or Melbourne. Mm. That conversation just happened too many times where I'm like, huh. Because I was planning to move to Melbourne at that time. Mm. I was like, yeah, to, to be a musician, to make music, I got to go to Sydney or Melbourne and Melbourne seemed like the better option for me. Um but yeah, those conversations were just like, imagine if even half these people had stayed and helped develop the and scene. build the culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and that definitely just just lit a spark. Mm. Definitely lit a spark. Do you feel like there was a bit of a hindrance on the past of like the progress in Canberra because people were leaving and not staying, investing, and building the city or the culture more? Maybe, and it, it'd it'd be pretty egotistic and ignorant of me to to think that I was the first one. To no, I don't think you were. But I do think there's definitely, and there still was, you know, around around me touring early on, like there was a stigma around Canberra about like yeah. nothing happens there and it's dead and shit. Yep. Um, that, and we were out there no. proving that ain't the case, bro. Like, Dude, that, that yeah. was like... But that I was, don't think that's yeah. a thing anymore, to be totally real. I no, don't. people rep it, man. There is a definitely a cool creative tone to the word Canberra when people say yep. it now and they're aware. Yep. At the very least, there's an awareness and building on that now is just what's important and we're, we're, we're doing that for sure. Yeah, like five years ago, there's been tours. I, I remember doing like as support act in tours and blatantly like through my set being like... I'm from Melbourne. <laughs> Doing this straight for camp. There was something right, about right. that. People seemed taken aback that I was like so openly and positively. I, I did this too in Melbourne time after time. Bro. Be- because that, I, sorry, just what you're saying. I do remember this feeling of like, do I say I'm from Canberra? They're not going to get it. And there was a resistance to like, even me being branded as a Canberra act on posters, I was playing in venues or whatever. Yeah. So there was this thing in my mind of like, do I just unashamedly? And yeah, of course I did. Yeah. It was definitely scary at the time. Well, I ended up figuring out that was kind of my asset. It's your edge, right? It makes you unique. Yeah, because yeah. the fact that people thought there wasn't much happening in Canberra, mm. although there clearly is, yeah. was kind of my card. Because you're like, already starting from a point of there's not going to be nothing here and then you deliver to a regular yeah. level. Everyone's like, holy yeah, shit, yeah. this is mind-blowing. Under-promise over to deliver. Good line. Dude, they, they came out off the bat not expecting much mm. and that, yeah, that gave me the edge. Yeah, That's what I felt was my edge was just repping Canberra through and through mm. and being like unashamedly just proud of the city that I'm in. Me too. Dead. I'm fired up, man. Between you and Dan Valentine, bro. <laughs> I just want to hustle. Love it. For real. Love it. How are we looking? How are we feeling? Yeah, we're, 
We've been going an hour and tw- 18 minutes. Damn, that's so fine. We, we got a solid, that's cool. solid pod here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Put it through, man. Yeah. We want to wrap it up? That was great chatting. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, man. Absolutely. How? So what are you What are you thinking with the... Uh, like the future of, of the old mustard flats. What's what's the vision there? Well, as I said, there's not much. It's it's kind of start it, um, build the studio, build the space. Um, this is almost still a test run. Like yeah. this is the first. Well, this is second podcast we've done in here, basically. Yeah. So it's still testing all the gear, getting it dialed. I'm sure this. I'm sure the viewers are still seeing little things here and there that are a bit odd, but. Um, we're we're getting it and sure yeah once we get it dialed in anyone can come in here and we can chat and, um, yeah and there'll be a place to put it um, which will be on the website mustardflats.com and we'll put other stuff up there too like if if who knows what other content, other content yeah. yeah um similar to what you were saying with you know show off what canberra's got to offer in, mm. in one place a little bit um so yeah just speaking to the viewers, man, are there any comments we should get up on the screen and like chat to people and see what people are saying at all? I haven't got your comments up. True. So there's not much. Um, so, but people have been tuning in. Cool. And well, shout out to everyone who tuned in. Yeah. yeah. It's been um, a fun time. Much love to you. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for listening to us. Uh, yeah. Talk smack. It's, it's hard to check the comments and uh, do yeah, this. Totally. So Second test run. But you, you'll hit them up on the chat, I'm sure. 100%. After. I um, so thank won't. you for watching. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm more the social media guy. Yeah, on, on, <laughs> a, on a quick tip, yeah. if you're a social media person, <laughs> yeah, just just let it be. Well, we'll cool. get your marketing agency, your <laughs> your, your audio agency. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. And um, yeah, we'll get you all in mustard flats again. Cool. Yeah, cool. Find resources, sharing knowledge. That's, That's what it's it. about, man. Love it. Lessons. Much thank love you, to you both.